Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. How hopeful are you for the future of the nation, the world, your life, your heirs, and your church, your faith? The vibrance of Christianity. Welcome to uh, this podcast on uh, a great, great subject. Uh, it's called Hope for Christianity, Hope for America. And uh, it's based on a lot of research that we've done. We have uh, uh, really uh, scoured the, uh, the nation and talked to thousands of people and worked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches. And uh, got some challenging and some really exciting things to share in this series. And what we're going to do in this series is uh, we're going to start by talking about the challenges, um, not to discourage anybody and uh, not to to beat on the negative headlines that we uh, have so often, but to really uh, look specifically at. Uh, what people are saying who know and who research the uh, the state of the church and the state of Christianity in America. And so we're going to begin with those uh, challenges. Then uh, in another episode, we're going to talk about the transition uh, that we're in the middle of right now, but most people don't see it. I think I can make a case and uh, you will find some... Uh, Excitement, I think, in the idea that there is a transition going on, even though most people, most Christians, most pastors have no idea that uh, this is taking place. And so uh, we have this uh, interesting transition time that we're going through that I think is very exciting, uh, something I've prayed for for a long time. And then in another episode, we're going to talk about the role of hope and why there is such great hope uh, for uh, the church and for Christians and for the nation and for everything that uh, faith touches. So uh, let's get started and talk about the, the challenges in this particular episode. And so um, here we go. We ask the question, why does Christianity flourish in many parts of the world and over history? And then in these same places, it begins to wane and uh, lose uh, what you might call market share. People start falling away in the percentage of people in the next generation and so on and so forth. Those are people that just uh, uh, aren't that interested. And that uh, goes on for a while. And then we see decline. It's kind of a cycle that you've seen throughout history and in many places uh, throughout uh, the world. Well, uh, what happens is that uh, we, we kind of get into some ruts, and uh, it's not the rut of the teaching of the Bible. It's not the rut of who Jesus is and what he does. It's not a rut of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not all of that stuff. It's the human side. It's not the substance of our faith, but it's the delivery systems. The, the methods that we use that get into a rut. And uh, it just seems like uh, a very selfish thing 
to not be willing to change. I don't mean I don't mean to be uh, cruel or unkind, but human beings tend to get in ruts, and we need to shake off those delivery systems, those strategies that no longer work. But we tend to hang in onto those and cling onto those, and you see those delivery systems. Those are the packaging of Christianity, and that is called religion. There's a big difference between religion, the delivery systems, the way we exercise our faith, which changes from time to time, age to age, culture to culture, and the difference between religion and faith. Faith is that which is the substance of Christianity, and that faith never changes. And we get the two confused. And therein lies a huge challenge. Uh, maybe you've heard about the uh, very popular story uh, about a psychology experiment. And here's how it goes. You start with a cage containing four monkeys. Inside the cage, you hang a banana on a string. And then you place a set of stairs under the banana. And before long, a monkey will go up the stairs and climb toward the banana. Then what, this, what they did in this psychology experiment, uh, they sprayed all the monkeys with cold water. Not just the one going up the steps, but as soon as this, they went up the, that one went up the steps, then they sprayed all of the monkeys with cold water. Well, after a while, another monkey makes an attempt, and as soon as he touches the stairs... You spray all the monkeys with cold water again. And by the way, they don't like that. Pretty soon, when another monkey tries to climb the stairs, what happens? The other monkeys will try to prevent it from going up the stairs. Now, put away the cold water, remove one monkey from the cage, and replace it with a new monkey. And the new monkey sees the banana doesn't know about the water at all, and attempts to climb the stairs. To that monkey's shock and dismay, all the other monkeys beat the dickens out of him. After another attempt and another attack, he knows that if he tries to climb the stairs to get that banana, he'll be assaulted. Next, what happens next? Remove another of the original four monkeys, replacing it with a new monkey. The newcomer goes to the stairs and is attacked. The previous newcomer takes part in the punishment with enthusiasm because he's now part of the team. <laughs> yeah, he gets it. So then you replace a third original monkey with a new monkey, followed by a fourth. And every time the newest monkey takes to the stairs, he's attacked. In every case, the experienced monkeys that are beating up the new monkey have no idea why they were permitted uh, to get started toward the banana, but then not permitted to climb the stairs without retribution. Neither do they know why they're participating in the beating of the newest monkey. Having replaced all the original monkeys, 
none of the remaining monkeys will have ever been sprayed with the cold water. Nevertheless, not one of the monkeys will try to climb the stairway for the banana. Why? Because in their minds, that's the way it has always been. Well, there's a name for this. It's an amazing phenomena called traditions. Isn't it amazing? We often don't know the source of traditions we follow. We simply follow them. Why? Well, because they're traditions. We've always done things that way. Well, many Christians are stuck in traditions, delivery systems. Yet, unless it requires violating biblical, moral, legal, or ethical principles, traditions might well be replaced by new practices that better accomplish God's purposes. You know, you might want to remember this story the next time you come across a tradition that seems to have no intrinsic value or detracts from your mission to reach your community for Jesus and to touch the world for our Savior. You know, during his earthly life, Jesus broke many traditions and on a topic far more important than earthly traditions, Jesus said, Revelation 21.5, Behold, I make all things new. <laughs> yeah, and we struggle with that. We like to call it drift, this issue, falling away from what is effective in terms of a delivery system. Not falling away from the basics of the faith, that's the substance, that's faith. It's the religion side, the way we do things, that becomes simply not effective. So, I've talked about this drift in the book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival. And I found that many people, they read that, they say, you know, we've gone a long way in our drift from the kingdom of God and what Jesus taught about the kingdom of God, which is not supposed to be like this world. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, not like this world. Uh, but then we get hung up in these things that we call traditions, delivery systems that don't work anymore. And actually, even though we believe in the kingdom of God and we want to be the kingdom of God, we have drifted from the kingdom of God in the way we operate, how we get things done. Well, there's been a lot of research, and I just want to touch a few bases here on some things that you should know about. Uh, dear friend Tom Rayner has written a book called I Am a Church Member. The subtitle is Discovering the Attitude that Makes a Difference. It came out in 2013. It's a, it's a great little book. And he talks about churches that are plateaued, declining, or growing at a rate slower than their community. And he says that in his research sample that 80 to 90% of churches are in this category of being plateaued, declining, or growing at a rate slower than their community. Now, I really like the way that Tom has entered his research and touched on an area of research that I haven't seen before, and that is growing at a rate slower than your community. Uh, some churches just bask in the sunshine of, oh, yeah, we're growing a little bit, but they are growing at a rate far below the growth of their community. And so that's a key factor because what it means is you're losing market share, if I may use that word, that terminology of market share. 
I know it's not a biblical approach or thinking, but in truth, that's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to reach the whole world for him. And so these churches are losing market share. Now, another way of looking at this whole thing was provided by Ed Stetzer, a professor at Wheaton College, just a brilliant guy. He wrote an editorial in the Washington Post back in April 28, 2017. This editorial is just powerful. The title is a real eye-catcher, and I hope it will catch your attention. And this is what the title is of this editorial in the Washington Post from 2017. So you can do the math with the title whenever you are listening to this in whatever year it is. He says in the title, If it doesn't stem its decline, Protestants and Protestantism has just 23 Easter's left. Now, that doesn't mean Easter won't happen. Easter happens because it happens. It's a date on the calendar, and it is a date to remind us to celebrate Jesus' resurrection from the dead. But what he's saying is there aren't going to be many people celebrating at the rate of decline unless we stem that decline, unless we make some changes, unless we do something about the delivery systems that no longer work in the world in which we live. Not changing the Bible, not changing the faith, not changing the basics, the content of Christianity, but changing a lot about what used to work and ain't working anymore. The Pew Foundation has done some great research from the last census data. Now, we are having census research every 10 years in America, and so it's updated only every decade, and so it takes some time to get new information. But in the last census, they talked about the rise of the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Those are people who say, you know, when you ask me the question on the census, what kind of a religion I have, what category would I put my faith in, the group that's growing rapidly is the ones that check none, no connection, no faith, no religion, none, the rise of the nuns. And so, yes, America is becoming secularized. And yes, every newscast, every broadcast, every magazine report, every headline and newspapers, as you look at the state of our nation and our culture, it's just definitely reflecting that we have a large segment of people that are in the nuns category. When you ask whether they have any religious background, any spirituality, they're bold to check none, absolutely none, not interested, gone from that scene. David Kinneman is a great writer, has written several books. He wrote a book called You Lost Me back in 2011, and he was reporting on a research reality a statistical fact that most churches, not all, but most churches, have lost younger generations. And so the median age of most churches has grown tremendously. And we know this from our own research. At Church Doctrine Ministries, and we consult a church, we do a lot of research. I don't know anybody that learns as much about the patient 
<laughs> your congregation as church doctor ministries because and that's why we call ourselves church doctors. We're serious. If you go to a doctor that's going to prescribe something without asking you any questions or making any tests, you should go to another doctor. That's malpractice. The body of Christ, as complex as it is, is like a human body. There's a head, Jesus, perfect in every way, but from the neck on down, you got to do some research to figure out what's going on. And so we do that. And one of the things that we see in our research is we ask about the attendance figures, not those people on the rolls, because those can sit there for years. Some churches have people on the rolls that have been dead and can't get a transfer to heaven. But we're talking about the people that are actually there, attendance figures. And you look at these attendance figures from one church after another. And if you look at our database, collecting almost 2,000 churches now from 77 different denominations, independents and non-denominational churches as well, what you see is a general trend with a few exceptions, but a general trend of declining attendance. Like Tom Rayner says, like Ed Stetzer says, like the Pew Foundation is recording, very few young people and a general direction toward decline. So we need to wake up and smell the coffee, as they say. And so this is kind of a challenge. This is a serious challenge. This is a wake-up call. Now, we do some further research that I don't know anyone does. It is research that asks a question that I think is really, really clever, very, very important, a dynamic question that we ask Christians in the anonymous survey that we do with every church before we even show up to consult the church and interview people. And that is, we ask the question, did you become a Christian before or after coming to this church? And uh, basically, the question behind that question is, we want to know, how effective is this church at reaching people that are non-Christians? Why is that an important question? Because that's the biggest group of population in the U.S. now. The most people, by population count, in America are people that are self-declared non-Christians. So, that fishing pool of people is not just some people transferring from another church. We know that happens. People relocate or they find a need that their church doesn't have and they get in another church. But we're talking about people that are unchurched, that largest group of people, that biggest mission field that we have in the third largest mission field in the world, the United States, behind China and India. We are there as the third largest pagan nation in the world now. And so it's important to ask how good, how effective is this church at reaching people that are far from God, the unchurched people or non-Christian people, we might call them. And so we've done this research asking people this question, but then what we do is we cross-reference that in our statistical department by how long they've been at the church. And what we want to know is we're really identifying how is the track record of a church and is it getting better or is it getting worse at reaching the unchurched? Are we in touch with delivery systems at work or are we falling behind? Well, look what we've discovered. If you look at those who've been members of the church 20 years or more, back in that group that have been around 20 years ago or earlier, the church that group says that the church reached 18% of them were not Christians. Now, in every group grouping that I'm going to talk about, there are some who say, I'm not sure. 
So we're not counting those that are not sure. We give them the opportunity to say, I'm not really sure when I became a Christian, whether it was before or during or after I looked at this church or started coming here or whatever. We just don't even deal with those people, okay? We're just looking at the people that know for sure this church reached me and I was not a Christian before I came to this church. So those who have been around the church 20 years or more, 18% said, yeah, this church knows how to reach unchurched people. If you move toward a more recent time, 11 to 20 years, it drops from 18% to 16%. And now, if you want to see a little history in action here, we go to 4 to 10 years ago. And what was the effectiveness in a more recent time? 9%, it drops from 16% to 9% of our effectiveness to reach unchurched people. Then you ask those people who've been in the church four to five years, it drops down to 6%. And if you ask those three years or less, it drops 1% to 5% of the people say, I became a Christian after I came to this church. What this clearly shows is that as history has marched on, churches have become less effective in their strategies, in their delivery systems, in reaching the largest group of people in America. I'd call that a challenge, wouldn't you? Let's change categories. Let's talk about pastors and priests. We've known for a long time that the Catholic Church is running out of priests, but what about the Protestant churches? Well, the American Association of Theological Schools, called the AATS, American Association of Theological Schools, has just recently reported that everybody's going to run out of pastors. The young people are not signing up to study to be a pastor. Churches everywhere are going to be without pastors. You can see the handwriting on the wall. They just don't want to spend the money, and it costs a lot, to go to school for all that time and then end up with a job that is being a pastor of a church that is declining and has a pay scale that matches that decline. And so it's just not a very attractive avenue for people in the job market. And, of course, there are less Christians in the fishing pool for people to be pastors. And so there's a flashing challenge light going on saying, we're going to run out of pastors. And so what we're finding is we're even seeing in some denominations, they're tapping into old money. That means people that are older, near death, near retirement, past retirement, whatever, that have money socked away in all sorts of savings mechanisms. The denominations are tapping that money and they're using that money to offer people to attend their seminary or their Bible college absolutely free. And that's got to be a little scary because if there's no financial challenge, if there's no skin in the game, if there's no sacrifice, what kind of pastor are they going to be? I mean, some of them are going to be okay, but my goodness, I'd be kind of scared to death of that, wouldn't you? Oh, man. Well, anyway, if we want to stop this trend, you know, we've got some serious challenges to turn the ship around. The other thing I want to talk a little bit about when we think about traditions is look at the churches in Europe. I love to go visit cathedrals. One of my favorites is the cathedral at Cologne, Germany. 
Another one is the Notre Dame in Paris. In England, I love to visit St. Paul's Cathedral in London. Just beautiful places. I mean, they're built to last forever. And they're just unbelievable architectural wonders. But the truth is, worship attendance? Practically nothing. It's just amazing how so many of the cathedrals in England, for example, just, well, there are some that are boarded up. They just can't keep them open anymore. There's nobody there. Uh, After the last person dies, you shut the lights off and board it up. Now, there are some exceptional churches in England, about 200 or more, maybe now 300. And we take people every year to visit England and talk to those leaders of those movements because they have figured out the strategies that work. If you visit Russia, been in Russia recently and looked at some of the Eastern Orthodox churches, also in Southeastern Europe, you'll see a lot of Eastern Orthodox churches. They're museums. They're pretty places to visit, but not much going on in terms of faith, no outreach, very little growth, new people. So if you put that all against uh, back in the United States here, you look at our present state of our culture, what do you see? Well, you see civil unrest, terrible civil unrest. Dozens of people shot on a weekend in Chicago. You see the tremendous hatred that people express on camera, and it just goes on all the news channels. The cop killings. Just an awful thing. People walk up to a policeman and shoot him. Who's going to study law enforcement and be future policemen? You look at the opioid epidemic. You look at the tremendous challenges we face with legalized marijuana. Do you realize that suicides are up 35% in the last several years? That they're now, for the first time in the history of modern America, There are more deaths by suicide than automobile accidents. And there are a lot of automobile accidents. Something is wrong. Something is terribly broken with our society. And, of course, we're in the middle of a values war. The institution of marriage, the right to life for unborn children. It's just terrible to see how civilization and its basic units are beginning to unravel, are unraveled terribly. And it's just a huge mess. And this uncivility, the lack of civility, is even penetrating churches. One of the things we see in churches is tremendous disruption around the issues of gossip, slander, libel. People get upset and they send an email to everybody in the church and absolutely destroys their own church. People leave. People are upset. It's absolutely a mess. And these are so-called Christians, but they don't know the Bible. And so these are some of the challenges. I hate to leave you in this episode with these challenges, but I want you to really think about these things and understand how challenged the church is, how challenged we Christians are. I hope this is a wake-up call, but we're not going to leave it there. We're not going to stop there. I invite you to return for the next episode where we're going to look at a transition episode where there are some challenges but some changes. And in the silver lining of that challenges episode, we will begin to look forward to the third episode where we see significant hope. If we're willing to change, watch out for that banana, look out for that cold water, or look to Jesus and sort out what can change and what should never change. 
God bless you. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.